Welcome back to The Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts on all things health and wellness, help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's conversation is with Dr. Laurie Mintz. Laurie is a PhD a psychologist. She's a professor at the University of Florida and the author of A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex, as well as Becoming Clitorate. And this conversation gets into what the heck is an orgasm in the first place? Why is there a orgasm gap between men and women? 50% of age 18 to 35 year old women say they have trouble reaching orgasm with a partner. Why the heck is that? We cover a lot of ground in this conversation. It is, uh, I think, a valuable step towards becoming more clitorate. Um, and I think you guys will enjoy it. It, it. It's I enjoyed this conversation actually because Dr. Laurie and I uh, I think we have clashing political perspectives, and that was apparent from the beginning. Before we started recording, I think we had a bit of a, we, we started off on kind of a funny note, we're talking about vaccinations, and uh, so it was a, immediately, we were at a little bit of a crux of, I, honestly questioning whether we're even actually gonna do the interview. So that's how we started this conversation, which is interesting. And then uh, midway through, there was another clash where she, um, suggested that I am, what was the word she said? Mansplaining the vagina. No, not the vagina. Mansplaining the female orgasm. So this was a fun conversation, I think, because there was some clashing, which I just think is so fun. Um, and then we made up, we made amends at the end. It was very cute, very sweet, and uh, it's good times. So I uh, hope you enjoy this. Also, something I'm very excited about is we are launching the six-week Align Method online program. I am, I've been working my little nuts off on this thing for the last, really consistently for the last year, as far as planning. Um, very, very intentionally from a filming and editing perspective uh, for the last like five months, four months, and it is coming at you it's happening i'm stoked uh there's a free week trial which is very exciting uh in that time frame you will get a self-assessment so you can establish a movement baseline for yourself understand where you're at uh, and then also breaks down fundamental mobility practices which any really effective physical therapist or manual therapist would also likely suggest these patterns and also includes the sit rise test which has been shown from various research to be a very strong indicator for longevity so you can start that guy over at alignpodcast.com slash AMP, which stands for Aligned Method Program. Uh, a quick breakdown of the rest of the program. Second week is recovering full functional range of motion of your lower body. Third week is upper body. Fourth week is integrating rotational movement, contralateral movement, and multi-planar movement, i.e. moving like a human walking, running, kicking, throwing, punching, stuff like that. Fifth week, nervous system regulation. Sixth week, aligning your environment. Program is awesome. I'm excited about it. First week is absolutely free. Jump over to alignpodcast.com slash AMP for that. Let's get to it with mother flipping Dr. Laurie Mintz. I'm curious to start thinking of some type of question to, to, to start things. I'd be curious, from your perspective, what would be a if there was one question that men ought to be asking around how to um, pleasure a woman that they're not, what question would that be? First of all, most, most statistically, most aren't asking. They're assuming hmm. that's the, so maybe the first the is just first ask. is just ask, what do you like? What do you need? What do you want me to do? 
what would be pleasurable for you instead of making assumptions, particularly assumptions based on media images, because mm. those are false mm. by and large. And that's where a lot of the problem is. Mm. So what is the, so when you say the, the problem, what, what, how do you define the problem? Well, the problem that I have, I thought we were talking about, there's so many problems, but the one that I have written a lot about, including my latest book, is the orgasm gap, right? The fact that when cisgender women and cisgender men get it on, the women are having substantially fewer orgasms than the men. And I could get into the stats, but it's true in all types of sex. It's especially true in hookup sex, but it doesn't even close or, you know, get fixed in relationship sex. So what's going on? What's going on is that what the research shows and what my clients tell me and my students tell me is that women's most reliable route to orgasm involves some type of clitoral stimulation. Only 4% of, depending how you answer the question, but let's be very broad, 4 to 18% of women orgasm from penetration alone without clitoral stimulation. But unfortunately, we have terrible sex ed. We have, you know, and we have false media images. So I'm not blaming men. I'm not blaming women, but I am blaming culture for the fact that people, especially young people, are going into their sexual encounters without proper information on women's genital anatomy and pleasure. Hmm. So what would be, where's the best place to disseminate this information? Where does it start? Does it start in a classroom? Does it start with families? Does it start with like birds and the bees? Um, you know, so where, where should a, a young to, to, you know, just anyone that feels uh, inadequately informed person go? Uh, and what is some of the standout bullet points of, of information that would be really supportive for people to understand. I mean, I guess it depends on how old that person is, what kind of access to information they have. Like in an ideal world, this would come from parents. It would come from our sex ed system. And that is what happens in the Netherlands. For example, the sex ed there does include women's pleasure, orgasm, clitoris, sexual communication. We don't have that here. We're probably not going to have it at least in my lifetime. And many parents are very sex negative, very fearful of talking about sex with the word pleasure because they have this false idea. If I tell my kids it's fun, they're going to do it. No, they're going to do it anyway. They just, it would be nice if you could give them information to make it better. So, you know, yeah, in an ideal world, parents and sex ed, but since we're lacking that, then books, but not books written by anyone, books written by experts in the field, sex positive social media, following people who have, you know, not just they get on TikTok and say their theory, but like check their credentials. You know, do they have a PhD? Have they done the research? Are they a clinician? Are they a certified sex therapist? And there's a ton of outstanding books out there um, to take a look at. What would block a woman from having an orgasm? Is it is it on the onus of, of the man to, to know how to work the parts or is there deeper layers? Well, I know I think it's 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 everybody's responsibility. 
I mean, it's a woman's responsibility to say, this is what I need. But sadly, on top of our lack of, you know, education about women's most reliable route to orgasm, women also are getting the message from the media, from culture at large, that their pleasure is secondary and that they are there to be performative and to please men rather than to be pleased. There's research that shows that women think asking for the stimulation they need is um, pushy. Also, women have a lot of body. I mean, there's so many things that can get in the way. Women have a lot of body image issues, you know, so they're in their heads worrying about how they look versus how they feel. I'm not saying that men don't have these issues too, but they're definitely more rampant in our patriarchal culture for women to experience. And that's all these things underlie the orgasm gap, the lack of attention to the clitoris, um, the message that we're here to perform for men and please them, you know, stress, poor body image, um, slut shaming. So many factors contribute to the devaluation of women's pleasure in the orgasm gap. The part within that, that I, feel curious about is, is I think just like the, the suggestion that men don't care about women's pleasure, broadly speaking. Um, and I think even from a, like an egotistical or, or that, that the, the male pleasure is primary or something of the sort that this is just, that's just the way that it is broadly speaking. Um, I, in my experience with other men, and just the like my personal existence and just my general logic, I, I feel like most men that I, I know of and could think of and intuitively just like feel into a big part of their own ego is their capacity to pleasure a woman. Absolutely. So, so, so within that, like, I, I think just, um, kind of for me, like blindly accepting like, oh yeah, like women's pleasure is secondary and it's the patriarchy. I'm kind of like, in my actual experience with men, if they can't pleasure a woman or if they have erectile dysfunction or they, they, you know, have premature ejaculation, it's like the deepest blow to their ego possible. So it doesn't sound to me like, oh, it's just women's pleasure is secondary. No, I, I, I have to disagree on a more nuanced level. Okay. So first mm. of all, I never, ever said that men don't care about women's pleasure. I'm talking what the science says. There's an orgasm gap. When we find mm-hmm. you asked why, so I talked about women's pleasure being secondary. I said I'm not blaming men or women. I'm blaming culture. So in even what you just said will play into the research I'm about to share. I right. I never said men don't care. I talked to men. They care deeply. Their ego is invested. Let me share some research with you. There was a study that asked men, two studies, in fact. The first one asked men, if you were, imagine you're with this partner, da-da-da-da-da, she orgasms, she doesn't orgasm during sex, and they asked men how they felt, and indeed, exactly what you're saying. If she didn't orgasm, they felt less masculine, they felt like they hadn't achieved something, like it really was a blow to their ego. How? Ever, then a follow-up study was like, well, how are they interpreting sex? And of course, they were thinking of intercourse. 
And so this study asked, like, what if you're with someone and she comes from intercourse, oral sex, manual stimulation, or vibrator stimulation? And their ego was the highest when women orgasmed from intercourse. So I'm not Hmm. saying that men don't care. I think they care deeply, but they are culturally, they're being sent to do an impossible task through our cultural messages. And so it's not about them caring. It's about them caring so much and barking up the wrong tree, if you will, not because they're flawed, but because of false media images. So yeah, man, men care deeply, uh, their egos invested, but, and when you ask women, 70% of women fake orgasm, 70%, and they fake during intercourse. And when you ask them that why, the number one reason they give is their partner's ego. So yeah, we're on the same page, but the what I'm talking about is a more nuanced problem that both women and men think that women should orgasm from male thrusting. And when, so they don't. So now we've got this situation where women aren't orgasming, they're faking. And, you know, I I had a client who really kind of went to her partner and said this, you know, look, I need more clitoral stimulation, da, da, da. His response was, well, all my other partners orgasm during intercourse. That's unlikely to be true given the stats. What's more likely to be true is other partners were faking. So everybody's doing this a disservice. It's not about blaming men at all. It is about blaming culture. So what what do you think if there was, so if we were to place a a blame on culture, um, what what would be the origin of of the, like who is, what entity uh, is the culprit within culture like how old does this orgasm gap go it's thousands and thousands of years and books have been written on the history of this there's a great book called the clitoral truth um there's many books that outline the history of the clitoris being ignored in medical textbooks in history freud was probably the biggest culprit right he really he literally said when a woman matures, she will transfer the feelings from her clitoris to her vagina. Clitoral orgasms are immature, vaginal are mature. And that's ridiculous, right? It's like saying, well, when you grow up, you know, if you're really good, you'll stop breathing through your nose, you'll breathe through your ears. And these ideas have stayed with us. We still even label things, clitoral, vaginal orgasms, we label women's orgasms by the point of stimulation and create a hierarchy that we don't do with men's orgasms. So that's an interesting thing that the concept of a hierarchy of, of orgasm, is there a hierarchy of orgasm with a, a woman? I, I believe that there is a hierarchy of orgasm speaking just from personal experience with a, from, with, for a, a guy uh, and I think the hierarchy likely, and this is uh, a, a probably minimally talked about subject, but I think the hierarchy would could easily be as simple as just through the penis and then also the penis with the prostate involved. And that's that, and hierarchies, these are just words, but they are very different experiences for a, a man. 
Uh, and so I wonder, is there such a thing of variance of orgasm with a woman, a cervical compared to a clitoral compared to a something else? Well, I think we're using hierarchy in a different way. You're talking yeah. about what feels most intense. I'm talking about what people think they should be having. Those mm. are very different things. And mm. well, just is there? Is, I guess is there strata to the, the the female orgasm? Is is there is there variance of where the 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 organ that was stimulated to catalyze said orgasm? Is there is there is there variance to orgasm or is just orgasm orgasm orgasm? It the science is unclear about that, but there certainly isn't a hierarchy. Everybody is different. And right now, there's the scientists are still even debating if there are different types of orgasms based on stimulation points. Um, hmm. I mean, it's it's not clear. The science, some scientists say yes, and they give evidence that people say they feel different. The clitoris and the vulva are run to the brain through different nerve pathways. Others say no matter where the stimulation occurs, they're all clitoral orgasms because the clitoris is a vast internal orgasm, orgasm, organ, organ, and it's involved in all orgasms. And there's other people that say this debate is harming women. And there's other people, um, including Helen O'Connell, who was the first one to map the internal clitoris, who says we should just call all of women's genitals the same thing and stop breaking down the parts and an orgasm is an orgasm is an orgasm. We also know that an orgasm in a man and a woman are the exact same thing. It is the erectile tissue filling with blood to a point of intensity and rhythmic contractions of the pelvic floor releasing that tension. How, do, how does a woman cultivate um, some level of I mean, control is not the right word, but there's, there is a variant to a person that perhaps has a, an orgasm after a couple of minutes of oral stimulation or something. They're like, oh, and you know, like that was the thing compared to building up stages of orgasmic potential, one could say. Uh, is there anything to that being able to understand like wielding one's sexual energy to navigate I'm just making up words, but like amplitude of orgasm or orgasmic potential. Well, there's techniques to strengthen orgasm um, and you're getting it, some of them, but they don't have anything to do with the point of stimulation. They have to do with allowing oneself to build arousal. A lot of times it also involves like things that OMG Yes, which is a great website if you really want to understand women's masturbation, women's sexual pleasure. It's There's techniques like edging where you get close and you back off or teasing. Those types of things have scientific merit in building arousal. And those are super important if someone wants to do that. I mean, the message I try to give is whatever works for you and let's get rid of all this pressure, this pressure to have it one way or the other, this pressure. If you're a four minute person and you're happy with it, so what? Like we need to get out of this performative, I've got to do better, learn better. If you're satisfied, you're satisfied and no one should be telling you, you got to figure it out a different way. 
like to take a moment to share about something that I find quite delicious and also is supportive for memory and cognitive function. If you guys have any issues with recalling names, dates, where you left things, or you find it difficult to stay on task, for example, then Newtopia, a bio-optimizers company, has created a brand new one-of-kind product called Kala Genius. Kala Genius is a blend of five potent superfoods, one of which being collagen, uh, and then they include 1.2 pounds of four concentrated mushrooms. These mushrooms are lion's mane, reishi, cordyceps, and chaga. This cutting-edge blend is a powerful way to rebuild your brain and rewire it for maximum energy, focus, and performance in less than 30 days. After each serving of Kala Genius, you'll feel calm, alert, and energized. Your ability to memorize and recall information will improve, and you'll get a hefty dose of antioxidants for immunity support. Collagenius is so darn delicious. Um, I really enjoy putting it into my coffee, especially, uh, or smoothies. It really, truly does have a delicious flavor um, and does make me feel quite good. Uh, if you guys are interested in getting yourself a little brain boost, and uh, also a delicious supplement to add into smoothies and coffee beverages. You can get yourself 10% off by going to newtopia.com slash align genius. That is spelled N-O-O-T-O-P-I-A.com slash align genius. Use align 10 code at checkout. You get 10% off your order. They have a one year money back guarantee. So if this stuff does not knock your socks off, you do not love it, get your money back. No questions asked. That is newtopia.com slash align genius. Align 10 code for 10% off. Yeah. Well, I wonder, I mean, I, I feel like it's like, I, like, yes, the, I think the first stage to be able to cultivate one's sexual health, mental, emotional health, orgasmic potential, any of that would be reducing shame and judgment and coming from a place of compassion, love, and, you know, maybe some level of neutrality. And then within that, there's also, it's like a, perhaps this might not be an appropriate analogy, but if I were to flex a muscle, my bicep, and I was for most of my life only flexing the muscle at 30% potential, and someone opened me up to this new technique or something to be like, oh, by the way, you can get a lot more strength out of that muscle, or you can go through a, a broader range of motion with that muscle, I'd be excited to hear that information, you know, and not just be like, well, I flex my muscle at 30% and, you know, I go to 20 uh, degrees range of motion and I'm, I'm happy. Don't judge me. And I think that there's also, there, is there some potential to navigate one's orgasmic possibilities and it'd be like oh like there are is higher amplitude orgasm is that I, i'm just making that word up right now is there something to it because I, I, I hear that from people you know is that like a thing it, it is a thing and i definitely understand your metaphor and sure i do think that people should try new things stretch their boundaries see what works but it should never be pressured or performative and there's a very thin line between what you're talking about and pressure and performance. And we know from science that those things ruin sex. Yeah. Okay. So let's, so let's, so let's maybe enter into a realm where it's like, cool, neutral, loving, compassion, you know, no pressure, no orgasm is equally good to the most ridiculous, insane orgasm that you write home about ever that you're like, how did that happen? I don't know. How's my body even capable of that level of contraction? And I, I saw God and DMT fucking spirals came out of my, 
you know, my eyeballs, like that being another experience, not better or worse. Like we're putting the, the judgment aspect of it aside. Is there some way to explore that spectrum of orgasmic potential? And if there is, uh, like how, how do we start to be able to explore the, that, that range? Well, the sex therapist will tell you uniformly masturbation. That is the mm. entry point. Find out the best way to find out what you like, what your body's capable of, is first do it by yourself and mm. learn your body and then communicate that to a partner. Yeah, that gets, I think that gets a funny, like we talked before we were talking about the, the, orgasmic meditation, the oming. Mm -hmm. And that's like a, a very intentional practice that I've never, I've never done, but I've, I've known people that have, and you set up in a very specific position. And you, I think you focus on the upper left quadrant of the, of the, the head of the clitoris. Um, and within that, I think that that's something I'm curious about. Is there some type of overarching um, anatomical guide of these are the aspects of most women's like most sensitive parts obviously the head of the clit or the is it called the glands it's called the glands and most women can't have it touched directly it's too right. sensitive that's why yeah. the, so so the most okay so here's my thing on orgasmic meditation and mm. i'm not the only one that says this it's really what lesbians have been doing for years it's nothing it's, it's, it's manual stimulation for an extended period of time in a specific area. And while the person who's being stimulated is mindful, I mean, that's what good sex is about, right? It's being, being stimulated, being mindful of what you're feeling. Um, and sure, most women, you're going to stimulate their clitoris for 15 minutes, they're going to have an orgasm, especially if they're really into like being mindful and non-performative, et cetera. And they're told this is, you know, what, um, what's gonna, you know, what's it, that, that that's okay. Um, what we know, one of the most interesting studies to date actually, um, di dissected a number of corpses, women, and looked at the nerve endings of their vulva and most, yeah, most of uh, most were the most nerve endings were in the clitoral hood, of course the glands. But what they found is everybody's pattern was different. Some had more nerve endings to the right. Some had more to the left. Some had more on the hood. Some had more on the inner lips and nothing is identical, which really explains, going back to your original question, what's the most important thing you can do is ask, where are you mm. sensitive? Where do you want to be touched? Because everybody's yeah. different. And the way women like to be touched, the place, the pressure, that varies during times of the month. It varies with exhaustion. It varies with menstrual cycles. So it's not a one-time communication thing. Yeah. It seems like the more safe a woman feels, um, the more uh, beautiful and like sexy and desired um, and things of that nature. Those are very powerful elements to opening up a, a person's orgasmic potential. I think you know, probably the same for a guy. 
but since it seems like statistically speaking, it's, it makes more sense to put some energy towards what's happening with women. Um, yes, it does. That, that, uh, so, so that's a really important element. And, and, and so it seems like so much of the orgasm comes back to it being like a psychosomatic, psycho-emotional type situation. You know, so what are some of the tools to open up some of the bound aspects of the mind or of the emotions to, to you know, for a, a woman to, you know, is she, is that something that she can navigate with herself? Is that something that she needs to lean into finding a, a partner? I imagine that she trusts and feels respected by, feels adored by. We know women have more orgasms in relationships and there's a lot of theorizing why. And, but certainly that feeling of connectedness, not for, not, ev not for everyone though. Like we can't make any general, we can't say this works for everyone. There's a, there's women that say I'd rather have hookup sex. Right. So, but by and large, we know women are more orgasmic in relationship sex. Is it, there's some research that shows, and I'm not trying to like be down on men. Like I love men. I've been married to one for 38 years. Like, I mean, I have son-in-laws, I'm not anti-men, but there is some research where men will say, well, I care more about my partner's pleasure in a relationship. So that's one piece. And there's another piece um, that, you know, there was actually one study of men who said in hookup sex, I don't even care at all. It's all about me. In relationship sex, I care more about her than me. So there is science there. Um, but we also know for women, they're more likely to orgasm, right? When they aren't being coerced, when they feel safe, when they feel secure, and when they feel comfortable enough to communicate their sexual needs. So it goes, it does go back to the relationship context certainly is going to be helpful for women's orgasms. There is no question about that. The orgasm gap is smallest in relationship sex and biggest in hookup sex. Yeah. How big of a, a role does past uh, historical sexual trauma play into these statistics? Well, they don't explain all of it for sure. Um, yes, yeah. we know statistically, you know, a vast number, uh, way too many women will have been sexually assaulted. We also know that a lot of women who have been sexually assaulted have sexual problems. We know that some don't. Um, we also know that, you know, sexual problems are a huge, se sexual assault is a huge risk factor for sexual dysfunction. Um, but these statistics cut across women who have and have not had sexual assault or coercion. But I it's really important for women who've been assaulted or coerced. I mean, I work with a lot of women who have, who end up saying, I will only have sex in the context of a safe and trusting relationship, not just because I can say what I want, but because I can say stop when I feel triggered and have that sure. be respected and you know, have there be enough communication of what do you want me to, what do you want to do? What should I do for you when you're triggered? What is an orgasm? Like, what, why, why does it even matter? Well, it's, it is, it, it's, well, first of all, it's a great question because the goal to have an orgasm actually makes one 
less likely, right? And so that's a great irony of sex therapy. But um, an orgasm, biologically, what it is, is the erectile tissue filling up with blood to a point of high intensity until rhythmic contractions of the pelvic floor release that blood. And it's also accompanied by the release of a lot of feel-good hormones and chemicals. One fascinating study, and I've replicated it with my students and it works, these researchers had women and men write down a description of their orgasm. And then the researchers took away any hint of if they were a man or a woman. They didn't, you know, any, you know, mention of ejaculation or penis, you know, vagina, vulva, anything. And they showed these descriptions to physicians and sex therapists. And no one could tell if it was a woman writing it or a man. It is the same description for both an intense buildup of pleasure and a release of that, I'm sorry, tension and a release of that tension that feels wonderful and, you know, um, spiritual, you know, amazing. So why is it a big deal? Because it feels really good and it releases a lot of feel good hormones um, and neuro. neurochemicals that make you feel happy, content, close with your partner, you know, all of those things. But I I, I feel like structurally there is a difference between, I mean, I know you're saying there isn't, but subjectively, like a guy typically, or I could just speak for myself and people I've, I've spoken to, but I think it's very common, you know, men have like the, the release of prolactin and whatever the cocktail of neurochemicals and hormones are and such where, where after they orgasm, they're pretty much, they have a refractory period. It's lights off. Like we're done for a while, you know, it's like, okay, like, you know, let's take a break. Whereas women can have this interesting really like expansive orgasmic potential where it's like, Oh, one orgasm just kind of opens things up to more. And then, and then also women have this depth of orgasm. I'm, I'm in many ways more enamored by the female orgasm because it seems like more magical in a lot of ways where it's like, it can be this ongoing thing where it's like, Oh wow, you had an orgasm for two and a half minutes. Whereas pretty consistently men, it's like, Oh, 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 oh. it was like this seven second kind of experience, unless you're having a prostate orgasm if that's even a term for a guy, then I think it becomes much more um, like a biological female orgasm where it, it is more of this like full body type sensation and it's more sustained. And there's, there's a lot, I feel like then it, it seems very consistent. Um, but yeah, what do you, what do you think about what I just said? Honestly? Yeah. Really, really honestly, I feel like, sure. <laughs> honestly, I feel like you're mansplaining the female orgasm a little bit. Um, oh, nice. Interesting. <laughs> how? how? Um, Cause you're saying you disagree with science and you're saying, well, science, 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 you can't, you can't own science, Laurie. Like you, like if you're saying you disagree with science, I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting my subjective experience, but you know, I, I'm bringing that to the table, which is what science is led by is people's subjective experience. And then you're you're proposing one specific study which doesn't identify with the entirety I'm of science. Actually, it's, there's a I cited one study, but we know you're yeah your men's orga- the the difference between male and female orgasm is the refractory period, the prolactin, which is 
The refractory period is due to prolactin. Men release, and men, there are men who have multiple orgasms. Um, there's books about it. It's very rare, but it's often related to the levels of prolactin. And women can have multiple orgasms because we don't have, we don't release prolactin. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great. You're jealous of the, of the, um, of the female. Not jealous. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. I'm not jealous of it. Okay. I find, I find, I find, I find it, it, it more magical is the term that I said, which is just a nebulous way of saying it seems more mysterious. Whereas men seem, if you, I would presume if I was a scientist studying orgasms, I presume I'd see much more consistency across the board of like men. Well, actually, I don't know what I would see, but I, from talking to people, it seems like men's orgasms aren't as mysterious and magical. It's kind of like pretty consistently. It's like a 10 second thing. And in my experience with women, it's like, whoa, like what the hell was that? I felt like I was like exposed to I don't know. This, this God scenario is very interesting. Yeah, that's because you're right. Because women can have sequential orgasms and you can't. So it is a little more magical. We can keep going and you you typically can't. So, right. So where did the mansplaining come in? I don't understand. Okay. I, I hope it's okay. I said that, you know, um, here I am on your podcast and I'm like, Saying you're a man. Uh, no, I, I I I love conversation. I love differing opinions and perspectives. That's my 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 preference, honestly. Okay, cool then. And I love being. I love maintaining an open channel for varying perspectives. So what I felt, to be really honest, was, um, I I think I, I was just really subtle, but I said like here, you asked me what's an orgasm. I told you what the science shows, and you said, oh, I don't agree with that because women's orgasms are this and men's orgasms are that. So it felt a little like, huh, maybe if you would have said, oh, that's interesting that biologically they're the same, but you know, I, but, but didn't you say there's differences? Didn't you say like the prolactin and the multiple orgasms and the prolonged orgasm? Didn't you like right after that say like, oh, and they are different. They are the only difference. The only difference is the refractory period. I mean, isn't that like a pretty huge difference? Depends on who you ask. It depends on who you ask. There are many women who will tell you one is fine. And there are many women who say multiple are great. So what about the duration of orgasm? Isn't that typically quite different? At least in my subjective, non-scientific experience, very consistently across the board, a male orgasm, at least my experience of mine and the people that I've spoken with is like pretty short. And then there's a refractory period. And then women have oftentimes, in my experience, uh, extended orgasmic potential, we'll say. Isn't that, a, isn't that a difference? Actually, there's different studies. I think what you're, ta what you're talking about are sequential orgasms. Biologically, hmm. m female orgasm, each individual orgasm lasts about the same amount of time as a male orgasm. But when you're talking about an extended orgasm, what you probably experience is what lay people call sequential orgasm. I mean, multiple orgasms. They're so, they're sequential. They're so back to back, back to back, back to back, but they're different orgasms. All right. Well, so the experience of orgasm sounds like, like, so you're saying the, the actual, the singular, so what is an orgasm exactly? Like how, how do you, 
as the representative of science define orgasm Ooh. i'm being like a little cheeky but how yeah, how does <laughs> how what 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 so what is orgasm then orgasm is biologically what is it yeah yeah like how do like it's just life is just about definitions ultimately life is just one big stew of like mush you know everything's really pretty darn integrated together and then we step back and, and create definitions of things and so like what is the what is the agreed upon definition of what an orgasm is the agreed upon definition of what an orgasm is well first of all it's very hard to define you're absolutely right but biologically it is the erectile tissue filling with blood and to a point of intensity being released by rhythmic contractions of the pelvic floor and accompanied by a whole cocktail of neurochemicals. Is there variation in the male orgasm from a neurochemical perspective and a hormonal perspective to a, to a female orgasm? There's the pro, the difference of the prolactin. The differences in the prolactin. Cool. Well, so, so, all right. So I guess the original question is, or, or previous question, if you're open to exploring it, is how does a person build up orgasmic potential? I know that that you probably don't like that question because it, it, perhaps it's it's leading to some like goal oriented sexual experience. But if we can be mature enough or or beyond the point of, of judgment of like having a goal of sexual experience, uh, what is what are like the structural tips for a person to start to understand how to wield their sexual energy? in a way that's, I don't know, the most healing, right. or the most like, you know, you know robust well, sexual experience. What I think you're kind of getting at is tantric sex, to be honest. I, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that's, that's where you're, what you're talking about is, mm -hmm. and you're really, your questions, your thinking, your experience, your kind of what you're talking about. A lot of is taught in tantra, right? Of, like real, like, you know, and I don't know if you've had, you know, tantric teachers on your podcast or have to gone to one or consider yourself one. I have no idea. Definitely don't consider myself one, but we've had a bunch of episodes with people that are yeah, like tantric teachers and such. And such. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's really where, what you're talking about. And so some people definitely absolutely build their sexual potentiality through Tantra, but no, nothing's one size fits all. I know people who have tried tantric sex and absolutely detest it. And this is where it's really important for me anyway, to give the message that there is no one route to one perfect route to sexual potential, orgasmic potential. Try Tantra, try different vibrators, Try different lubricants, communication, like, you know, kink. Um, we know from the literature that people who engage in kink, for example, have fewer problems with sexual, fewer erectile problems, fewer premature ejaculation, fewer women have arousal or orgasm problems. Um, there's a lot, I mean, but I always tell people just like kink or tantra, those are things that if you are interested, go for it, explore it, always push your boundaries, but never do anything that's aversive to you. But tantric sex teachings and kinky sex um, are both ways to expand your orgasmic potential 
Um, and so is so is simple masturbation plus communication. Uh, so something else, just talking to other women who you know in their experiences with sexuality and, and girlfriends and, and things of sort. Um, I've heard many a woman say that they find s- cervical, quote unquote, cervical orgasms to be quote unquote deeper. And it's like rarer to have them, but when they do have them, it feels deeper. Is Are they just conflating what the, the, they think to be a cervical orgasm because there was penetration involved and it's just stimulation of the vestibular bulbs, which is like the clitoris on the side of the vagina or the clitoris at the top and clitoris is like a large organ is are they just missing that are they kind of confused in their body they're kind of like misidentifying the experience i can't say because i'm not those women and i'm not inside their vagina and i can't tell i think you know it is extremely rare to have a cervical an orgasm from cervical stimulation and we know that for many people touching the cervix is incredibly painful Ask any woman who's had a pap smear, um, doesn't feel great. Um, And we also know that a great deal of sexual pain is due to the penis hitting the cervix by having penetration before the woman is fully aroused. Because when a woman is fully aroused, the cervix actually pulls up and out of the way. So um, giving a, having a cervical orgasm requires like it's it's not just going to happen from penetration. And generally when you have penetration and hit the cervix, you're going to have pain and not an orgasm. So I can't say if you, what you're talking about is women, the rare women who do cervix um, orgasm from cervical stimulation, or if there's been some conflating, because we do know that when very aroused, penet- for most women, penetration feels really good. Not for all women, nothing for all, but you know that that feels really, really good when you're aroused because the vagina has a lot of pressure-sensitive nerve endings. Um, so you know, so I don't know if they were conflating or having a cervical orgasm or not. I want to take a moment and share about something that has truly made a massive difference in my life as of recent. That is going through the diagnostic process with LifeForce. LifeForce is a health optimization company that is bringing a personalized approach to help you take control of your health. It all starts with the LifeForce Diagnostic, a comprehensive blood test that measures over 40 biomarkers that impact your mental and physical health, from your nutrient levels to hormone balance to key risk factors for disease and much more. The LifeForce Diagnostic gave me a snapshot of precisely what the heck is happening inside of my body. Then the next step, I jumped on a call with a Life Force functional medicine doctor, and she was absolutely amazing. I asked her a whole gamut of questions, and uh, I was probably a pretty annoying patient, I would say, because I just kept asking questions, and she kept having answers. She was incredibly welcoming, incredibly sweet, and just really brilliant with the information. Um, so she mapped out a very clear, concise plan uh, for me. Uh, she was working with me. I think I just felt very supported the whole time. Uh, Some of the things that we saw there was a deficit with me was particularly DHEA uh, and then also omegas. So they got me on a couple nutraceuticals and I swear to God, um, I since starting these guys, I feel 
um, almost uncomfortable saying it like this because it's an ad, but it truly made a massive difference. My word recall, my energy levels, my libido um, has, has significantly shifted since starting. So I'm freaking excited and I would absolutely implore any of y'all to at least get the diagnostic done so you can get that snapshot of what's going on inside of your blood, what is going on inside of your biology so you're not guessing. You know exactly what's happening and then you can start making decisions from there. If you'd like to get 15% off, uh, you can go to mylifeforce.com. That's M-Y-L-I-F-E-F-O-R-C-E.com and then use Align code at checkout for 15% off. And that is a very meaningful 15% off as well. So I can't recommend it enough. I think you guys are going to really dig it. I think it's going to be really amazing for your own health journey. Jump over to mylifeforce.com and use the align code for 15% off. I, I wonder if a person, if it would be fair to suggest that every orgasm is a, um, I don't know, like a, like a, brain orgasm or wherever thoughts manifest because a person can have a wet dream and there's no stimulation of any, you know, quote unquote sexual organs, or at least like the obvious ones. So a person can have an orgasm from lots of things. Someone could, there could be a, like the, the right breeze on your nipples. You're like, Oh, like depending upon who you, who you are and what your orientation is. So like, where does an orgasm, like the clitoris seems like that's high concentration of sensory nerve endings. But it seems like there's something deeper, you know, or some deeper origin of, of the orgasm. If, if you take the person that can just be asleep with no stimulation of anything and have a full-blown orgasm. Right. We know people can have orgasms during exercise, in their sleep. There's been documented cases of people thinking themselves to orgasm. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen the movie Bent. There's an amazing <laughs> scene in there in a concentration camp of two gay men, uh, gay men standing next to each other and talking each other into orgasm. So sure. like the way I tend to think about it is that, you know, the brain is the conductor of the orgasm orchestra. If, if there is no conductor, the conductor's on vacation, the conductor's not functioning well, it's not going to happen. Is there any practices that a um, female can engage with to, I, I think I asked this question before, but but coming kind of from this like cognitive, mental, emotional lens that a, a female could engage with to cultivate their orgasmic potential. And then also the same thing for a, a man, because there's, you know, men suffering from, if suffering is the right word, from erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. That was something I went through for years that was like really pretty, you know, not, not, not ideal. Like, how does a person cultivate their own practice? Is is just masturbation, or is there maybe like meditation? Uh, is there some you know, seeing a you know what like what else can people do outside of specific sexual organ stimulation to cultivate yeah. their sexual practice? Fantasy is a lot of people engage in fantasy, and in fantasy anything goes, even things you wouldn't want to do in real life. There's a great book by Justin Lee Miller called "Tell Me What You Want." did a huge study of people's fantasies and pretty much found they could all be categorized in different ways. So some people use fantasy. Some people use erotica, written or visual. Um, mindfulness is really, um, there's a lot of support for that. 
what is mindfulness? It's so simple, so hard to do, but it's putting your mind and body in the same place. And when your mind wanders, as it invariably will, bringing it back to your body, right? And we know the brain state right before orgasm is identical to the state of the mind in deep mindfulness meditation. So a big piece of cultivating what we're talking about, orgasmic potential, if you will, is being able to turn off your judging, thinking, um, self-supervising brain and just be fully in your body. And sometimes for people that's kink, sometimes it's tantra, sometimes it's fantasy because they can't do mindfulness, so they have to turn their brain off with the thoughts of fantasy. Sometimes it's being mindful and being fully present in your body. Yeah, it seems it seems like it's kind of like a dual straight, like sexuality is an entrance towards physical, mental, emotional embodiment, and physical, mental, emotional embodiment is a passageway to deeper sex. Yeah, so I feel like that's like, like, what do you think the function of of sex is outside of reproduction for for the human? I think I already asked this before of like, what's the, what's the function of orgasm, but like, what else does sex do? Why, why does sex matter? Well, I mean, why does it matter? It's matters for it's pleasurable, right? I mean, we are driven towards pleasure, maybe in our ridiculously busy, you know, achievement oriented culture. We've forgotten about that, you know? Um, but we are animals and we are driven towards joy and pleasure and connection. Um, and sex gives all of those things. I mean, it is such a state of, of joy, of pleasure, of full embodiment and of connection with another person. If you're engaging with another person. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like one of like the, the, the last, of the 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 carnal aspects of ourselves like overt carnal aspects of ourselves as as humans or homo sapiens uh that we're still hanging on to you know when you're when you're in engaging in sex with someone it's like the rest of the day you're you know you're you're wearing a suit and a tie and you have these stories about yourself and your name's you know michelangelo and you're an accountant and you know you're six four and you like crossfit or whatever you know you have this identity structure and it seems like sex really has it, it, it has the potential to act as like a, a vehicle towards deeper um, mental, emotional, spiritual uh, access. Uh, yeah, in a way, like ev- everything does. But it seems like sex is like it's like oh no, this is this is what it's been for a million years. Right. You know, whereas a lot of the other things like this is what it's been for 25 years. <laughs> it's like right. sex is sex is old. <laughs> right. Yeah. They didn't have it's like it's not how many followers you have on Instagram, right? It's it's not yeah. it's not is I agree we agree with that on that one completely and totally. And you know, we also know that and again, I do keep coming back to science because I that's I am both a therapist and a scientist and we do know that the research is so clear. People who are having sexual problems are really distressed often about it. If, if a sexual problem, like you said, you're, 
your premature ejaculation. It felt awful. But people who are sexually satisfied are have higher life satisfaction. And that's even in the elderly. Like there is just such a robust correlation. I mean, why do they call it libido, right? Life energy. Like mm. people who are sexually satisfied are happier, period. Like that is so clear. Uh, can I ask you a, a, a more of a, well, I think it's it's not really lowbrow, but at the same time it is. I'm curious about uh, squirting for a woman. Is that, so there's a lots of different differing information around that. I've done I've done extensive YouTube research on the concept of squirting. Um, so I've got the anatomy sorted out and the potentialities of what the fluids are and all that stuff. But like, uh, what do you? What is for your? It seems like a pretty nebulous terrain. Female ejaculation, from what I read, it seems like I, I see a lot of differing um, scientific lenses on on what it is and what it contains. And then you could get into like esoteric kind of spiritual realms and like Amrita. It's like, the, you know, this spiritual fluid coming from the body. Like what the hell is squirting? Is it valuable? Can anyone do it? Okay. So you're seeing a lot of controversy probably because of where you're looking in your sources. Mm. But among scientists, mm. there isn't controversy. It's pretty, it's pretty darn clear what it is. Um, mm. And so what it is, and there's two different types. So the urethra is covered in, and I wish I could show a picture here, but I can't um, because it's a podcast, but the urethra is covered in the sponge. Okay. It's like a little spongy thing. And that's actually called the female prostate gland. It's its official title and it lays right above the vagina. Right. And, um, and that is where female ejaculate is from. It's from that gland, the female prostate gland. And female ejaculate is about two teaspoons of white milky fluid. It's been studied for its, you know, what it is. And it comes out of the urethra. It doesn't come out of the vagina. That's very different kind of fluids, et cetera. It comes out of the urethra. And some women uh, ejaculate and are know they do. Some have no idea. Um, there is some evidence that everyone ejaculates, but for a lot of people, it goes backwards into the bladder versus forward out of the urethra. And the mm. gushing, squirting type is that female ejaculate mixed with extremely diluted urine. Mm. So what is female ejaculate? F female ejaculate is those two teaspoons of white milky fluid from the female prostate gland. So what's, what is actually, what is the fluid? I don't remember all of the, all of what's in it. Sorry. Mm, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious. So it's, it's, I, 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 in my, my extensive YouTube, well, it wasn't YouTube, it was just internet in general. It says analysis has shown that the fluid contains prostatic acid phosphatase, PSA. So then I'm also present in male semen that helps with sperm motility, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Because so it's, female ejaculate. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it contains fructose, a form of sugar. Fructose is also generally present in male semen, where it acts as an energy source for sperm. Uh, it's usually colorless and odorless. It originates in the bladder and is similar, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. Definitely. Like, what's the point? I don't I don't get it. What, why? Why, why, why are girls shooting sperm-ish -ish fluid out of their urethras during sex? Because... 
<laughs> we all start with the same parts and they're just arranged differently. But wouldn't that have fallen off? Like what's the function? And I don't expect for you to know. I, I think that no this, is, and this is this is where science falls off. Science is science is just a, an ongoing process of disproving itself. You know, it's like this is our best shot. You know, and we see consistency in no patterns. I have no idea. I'm going to tell you, I yeah. have no idea. It's weird. Like, <laughs> like what, I mean, it's it's an interesting. Do you have a Do you have a guess? No, I'm not even going to venture a guess because I don't know. I have no idea. <sighs> Sorry, not willing to guess something I have no guesses for. Man, all right. Well, I'll just stew on that because I think it's a really interesting thing. I can thing. It, tell it, you it, what I think the function of the G-spot is. Yeah, what's the function of the G-spot? Which it's the goddamn patriarchy. No, the, it's the G-spot. They change it to the... Do you know do you know where it, you obviously know it comes from a, a dude, the, the Grafenberg, the Grafenberg spot. Yeah, and it and it was Beverly that Whipple. Son of a bitch. Why? He if he found it, why shouldn't it be named after him? <laughs> I'm not anti-men. I'm he he found it. It should be named after him. <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. I mean, and <laughs> what's the yeah, what's the, what is it? so the G spot is the urethral sponge. Is that no, right? correct? No, they're synonymous? No. Oh, they're different. No. Son of a bitch. And goddamn, I got to stop mansplaining. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'm glad we could joke about that. <laughs> um, so okay. Beverly Whipple is the one that named it the G-Spot. She wrote the book Ooh. with a guy named Barry Coke. I can't ever pronounce his name right. I have it right on my bookshelf, the G-Spot. Some people jokingly call it the Whipple Tickle because um, Beverly Whipple wrote the book, the G-Spot. I've talked to her about the research she's done. So the G-spot is not a spot. It's actual scientific name. Sorry about that science again. Here I go. Is the mm. clitoral urethral vaginal complex, the CUV oh complex. And it why is it called that? Because it's an area that includes part of the, the front of the vaginal wall, the urethral sponge, and part of the internal clitoris. It's an area that encompasses all three of those things. And mm. for some people, stimulating it results in intense pleasure and orgasm and squirting or ejaculation. For some, it, they, it results in nothing or it's uncomfortable. And there's some evidence that that's due to biological differences in how thick that area is. But here's the really cool thing. We know that when you push on that spot, a lot of women orgasm and we are that area. And we also know it really, really changes your reactivity to pain. It makes you feel pain less. Okay. Hmm. We also know the baby's head hits that spot as it is descending through the um, vaginal canal. And we know some women orgasm during childbirth. So I think that it is at least partially, a, it's there to help women deal with the pain of childbirth. That's cool. I, so, all right. So we need to wrap up, but I'm, I'm surprised and impressed that in your, however many decades of working in this field and being an educator, you've never been willing to venture a guess of what the the evolutionary function of squirting is 
I have no idea. Why would I venture a guess on something? I'm I am more than happy. It's so interesting. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Really, this is what you. This is your whole life. <laughs> you remember, like, well, take a shot. <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> nothing. I got nothing. Zero. Zero. <laughs> I got nothing for you. I I all really right. and honestly, no one's yeah. ever asked me that question before. Really, inquiring minds. My just n of one inquiring minds. I've been on. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts. And so take some credit, despite the fact that I said you were mansplaining me. You mm. also, I'm going to turn around and give you a compliment. You also asked oh, wow. me a very provocative a question that no one has ever asked. I've been asked the evolutionary function of the female orgasm. I've been mm. asked the evolutionary, why is the clitoris? Why don't we have a you know, a clitoris in our vagina. Like I've been asked a lot of evolutionary questions, but that's a brand new one. So, so I think it, it kind of evens out the mansplaining. So we're all good. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back to zero. Yeah. The, so the, something that's interesting with the orgasm and do you have a hard, do you need to go right now? No, it's I okay if you do. We talking. can just read. Yeah. All right. So, so something that's interesting with the orgasm is I, I wonder if perhaps it could have some relation to, like a pre preventative measure to stopping pregnancy from maybe a partner that's like not an appropriate fit because from my limited understanding of things, the orgasm changes the, um, I think it's, is it the acidity of the vagina or the cervix and, and it like opens up, is, it, doesn't it do something to, to the actual like composition of the vagina to be able to receive sperm? Male ejaculate changes the pH. What, so what is a female, I, I, I've read or heard or something that a female orgasm makes the vagina or cervix or whole situation more available to receive sperm. Is that, is there just nothing to that at all? That's another great evolutionary question. There's a great book that you would probably love called The Case of the Female Orgasm by Elizabeth Lloyd. And mm. basically there's I think it was when she wrote it, there were 14 theories with hers of why, why do women orgasm? And what you're talking about is one of those theories. It's the upsuck theory, basically, that mm. when, um, that a female orgasm, a female orgasm is going to make pregnancy more likely because it's going to, the rhythmic contractions will suck the sperm up. So right. that's just one of 14, now 16 theories of why women orgasm. Um, and so in this book, Elizabeth Lloyd went through all 15 theories, basically it, using her science and her thinking and her writing, debunked them all and said, the female orgasm is just a fantastic bonus of fetal development. We need male orgasm for procreation we and so we it's just a byproduct just like men don't really need nipples but they have them that was her conclusion and now two new theories um have come out um that are really interesting if you don't mind me sharing them um please yeah um so one is um I forget the scientist's name, and it's basically there are some animals whose clitoris is inside their vagina, and those animals, um, dolphins are one, 
Um, I forget who else, what else. Anyway, they, when they orgasm, they also ovulate. So <laughs> they, oh, well. they ovulate when they orgasm and they orgasm through penetration. And so these theorists basically said, that's how women used to be. Our clitoris used to be in our vagina. Every time we orgasmed, we would ovulate and have a baby. And it worked really well until we started living in groups and started having a lot of sex. And then it was like, whoa, our bodies just couldn't handle this. And so the, we started ovulating monthly instead, and our clitoris migrated outside our vagina. That's like the one theory. Is there actually active mammals or creatures of some sort that can just induce an ovulation via orgasm? Yeah, and those presently. Yeah, and those animals have their their clitoris in their vagina. The other theory is as feminist socio. So, uh, feminist anthropological theory, and mm. it says it's kind of what you were getting at a little bit ago. It says we're asking the wrong question. Instead of asking what is the function of female orgasm, we should be asking the question of what is the function of most women being unable to orgasm during intercourse. And their answer is mm. because it helps you pick out a good partner. Because a partner who is going to care about your pleasure and what you want and not expect you to orgasm the way that they do and make sure you're getting clitoral stimulation or whatever stimulation you need, he's going to be a better partner outside of the bedroom too. Hmm. I'm so interested. I wonder with that if, if the uh, critters, and the suggestion is humans at some point in history, maybe possibly were able to ovulate based off of orgasm. I wonder, this is, there'd be no reason for you to, to have a response to this, but I, I wonder, do they, are they like skipping the whole follicular ovulatory luteal? Like, is that there, are they having a period then? Are they like doing those real fast? Is there just always an egg on the ready kind of sitting in the, in the fallopian tubes? Do they even have fallopian tubes? I don't know anything about the animals. I just know the theory is based on these animals. And it's a brand oh, new theory. And it's, um, if you put in Google, like, um, new theory of female orgasm based on the clitoris being in migraining, like you'll find it and you'll probably be able to figure out these things better than I can. Cause you seem to have much more of a scientific, even though I'm the one citing science, you seem to have quite a good understanding of biology and all of that. So. Like an engineering mansplaining type of mind. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious. I'm just really, I, 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 my favorite realm is um, like charged territories where it's, uh, there, it, there's, there's a lot of like reaction in there and a lot of like, ugh. like if, if some percentage of the sphincters in the room are clenching based off of a question, I'm like, oh, like that's. I think that's the direction that we should okay, go. Okay, so your your listeners are going to be cool with the fact that I said you were mansplaining me, or they're going to be like, why did you have that terrible guess? Everybody knows I'm a big mansplain, mansplainer. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you'll leave it. Um, I'll be well, curious of your listeners' reactions. Very curious. Yeah, I love, I don't, I don't really get into many like, 
uh, arguments really. So I, 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 I enjoy um, having different flavors of, of conversation. So little, little moments of, of uh, you know, that cheekiness, I think is, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, well, fun. Uh, is there anything else that I should, I should ask? Like, how do you, what's, 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 what's like the, 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 the last bits of wisdom or anything that I haven't asked that would be supportive to the psychosexual, emotional well-being of humanity? Oh, that's a big question. Um, just let's let go of the shame, the shame, shame, shame is the enemy of sex. And I would say mindfulness is its best friend. So kick your, kick your enemy to the curb and embrace your best friend. I love that. Cool. Well, thanks. This is a really fun conversation. Um, I where should people go from here? Uh, the you're, you have you have so you're you're a teacher. You have books. You have multiple books. Yes. What's where where where's the most for for people to learn more from this conversation? Where do you think the best place for people to go? They, from well, they could go to my website www.drlauriemins.com. D r l a u r i e m i n t z. From there, there's links to my social media. I'm most active on Instagram. Love for people to engage with me there. And if you want to learn more about the female orgasm, including all these things we talked about, they're all in my book. They're all in the biology chapter of my book. What is squirting? What is the G-spot? It doesn't have a lot of Tantra in it, um, but it does have a section on mindfulness. So my book, Becoming Clitorate. And it has a whole chapter on communication. Something that's, oh, shit. Can I ask another question? Sure. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's uh, all good. So, 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 something that came to mind was around, um, I was thinking of, of something we, we mentioned before when we were talking was the uh, women and men, I believe, have the same amount of erectile tissue, which makes sense because we're both all pretty much start out gals for the first five to six weeks. Uh, that's why we have nipples, you know, testicles are just descended ovaries. Uh, the, the scrotal raffi is the term for the little like nut suture in the middle there. That's your lab, your labii, if that's the plural of labia, uh, converging to the midline and then they get sutured up. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's you know, fellas are just a bunch of, yeah. a bunch of, bunch of gals. Um, or maybe, you know, vice versa, whatever. We're all, you know, we're all more similar, I think, than we, than we, than we realize. Um, but within that, one of the things that was interesting was the vestibular bulbs, which is the kind of like side portion of the clitoris that comes down along the side of the vagina, uh, expands, did you say two or 300 times, 300 it's, times its size? It's size. That's really interesting. So I was thinking of that, what my like kind of, um, vulgar mind was going to like, like, how do we. How do we have better care of our, our sexual parts for a woman? It's like guy wants a big dong, you know, girl, tight vagina, tight vagina is like, an, is an aroused vagina, which I think is kind of an interesting thing. Or is that, is that not a, a sensible, uh, reasonable thing to say? No, actually that's not accurate. Um, oh, really? Really? Son of a bitch. <laughs> so what? So, all right. So when a vagina gets aroused, it does get smaller in the front. So it get tightens mm. in the opening, but it expands in the back. So it becomes mm. a tent, a wet. I like to say it becomes a wet tent. Tight tightens mm. in the front and it balloons out in the back. Well, yeah, but that's okay. But it, but the but the the entry point is is 
quote unquote tighter. Yes. It's like, it's yes. more constricted. Yes. And so, so my question that I just think is interesting, but my, my question behind that is, are there any practices a woman can engage with for a, um, a, a more having greater access to lubrication of their vagina. Yeah, without buy some lube. exogenous lubricants. Well, is it well? So, but well, some gals are more than le- more than other. Like, is, is it is there an age thing to it? Is there is it just is it an arousal thing? Is just everybody needs KY? Is oh, KY bad K- for you? KY is the worst. <laughs> oh my god, do not use KY. I'm, I'm saying I'm oh. saying KY like Kleenex. No, do not Kleenex. Sing, use KY. Um, yeah, yeah. The it is really a harmful myth. That when women are wet, they're aroused, and when they're not wet, they're not. We have something mm. that Emily Nagowski talks about called arousal non-concordance. You can feel wet and like totally repulsed. You can feel turned mm. on and not wet at all. So um, do not assume wetness equals interest or arousal, and lack wow. of it that. does not necessarily. So. Store-bought lube is sex's other best friend, along with mindfulness and vibrators. All right. So what is the evolutionary function of, of wetness then? So you can be not turned on, not in a place to, or are you getting like a fear boner or something as a gal? Which I'm, have you ever heard the term fear boner? <laughs> yeah, I have. Well, we know that a lot of- Is there of, something? Yeah, there is something to what you're saying. We know, for example, the vagina often lubricates during a sexual assault. And a lot of survivors have a lot of pain and guilt around that. And wow. like, I hated it. I hated it. And it lubricated. And I always say to them, yes, it did. That was your body's way of protecting itself so that there wasn't vaginal tearing, um, which is really gets to the point. You can be lubricated and repulsed, or you can be really turned on and not lubricated. Um, so, but the evolutionary function of vaginal lubrication is quite clear. It's to prevent vaginal injury, pain, and tearing during penetration. Hmm. And I thought that the, I thought the composition of vaginal fluid shifted during orgasm, but maybe that's, maybe I miss, misheard. Or, or maybe you know something whatever. I don't know. Well, I don't know it. I just, just some shit that I've heard at some point that I found interesting. Yeah. So there's no like dietary suggestions, eat pineapples or something to, to catalyze greater amounts of, of uh, vaginal lubrication. Not that I know of, although there's a book called diet for great sex that might have something in there written by both a sex therapist and nutritionist. But what most sex therapists will tell you is let your body do what your body does. Don't put pressure on it. And if you're someone who doesn't make a lot of lube, buy some good store-bought lube. And if your body makes a ton of lube, so what? Put a towel down. Mm. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just let go of the shame. I mean, that is the biggest message that I want to give. Let go of the shame. Let go of the my body shoulds. And in just enjoy your body, what it does. Yes, stretch your boundaries, try new things, but please, please let go of these. Stop shooting on yourself when it comes to sex. Yeah, cool. Well, fun times. Thank you for uh, all of this. I, I feel like this was an enlightening conversation. Um, I'm going to go back to my mansplaining workshop. <laughs> 
sort out. You said I didn't offend you, but you keep bringing it up. So sort I do think. Sort out I, what the hell the function of the female female squirting is. Well, I'm going to well, go what? back maybe, into my tool shed and iron that out. Maybe you should go do a little study on what is the function of men's mansplaining. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll look into that for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. This is this is really fun. Um, and yeah, is there anything else before no. we go? Or thank we're, you we're very, very much for right. the conversation. And thank you for your good humor with my confrontation. I really, yeah. really appreciated that. Well, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, it's good. It's good times. I enjoy it. All right. Thank you so much. Thank, uh, thank you all for tuning in. That is it. That is all over now. Bye. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I want to invite you guys to start the free week trial of the Align Method online program. I have been slaving away at this mofo of a program, and I am so freaking proud of it. Uh, the first week is absolutely free. In that week, you will get a self-assessment to assess your range of motion of all of your major joints. Uh, also teaches you the fundamental mobility techniques that I would provide for any client. These are fundamentals you get from a really good physical therapist or a manual therapist. They are worth knowing and then also finishes with a sit rising test, which has been shown scientifically to be a powerful predictor of longevity. You can find that over at alignpodcast.com slash AMP. Each week of the six weeks, I think is incredibly important. I think it is a beautiful roadmap for longevity, for strength development, for flexibility, and just feeling more comfortable, spacious, and pain-free in that sweet, supple body of yours. Check that thing out at alignpodcast.com slash AMP.